So, I'm excited, and, and I don't have very much time, so you're going to have to open your Bibles really quickly to Mark chapter 5, because I want to share with you faith's, uh, faith's touch for a socially distant world, and I think you can find it right here in this passage. It's an amazing passage that talks about faith and teaches us several lessons, and let me throw it into the context for you real quickly, because in the context, you see there's a, a de- demon-possessed man in the very first story, right? The demon-possessed man is, is socially distant from everyone else. He is in the caves, and nobody can come see him. He's actually chained up because he's so so crazy. And, and all of a sudden, Jesus comes on the scene, and he heals him, right? He heals him, and he casts out the demons, and they, they go into a group of pigs. The pigs run off the hill. I know I'm throwing all this at you really fast, but you guys know this story a little bit, don't you? The pigs go off the hill, and they kill themselves, and all the people in the Gadarenes are superstitious and afraid, and they say, Jesus, go away, and so Jesus is leaving the area, and, and the only person left on the shore saying goodbye is the guy who was demon-possessed, who, who's, the only name we know him by is Legion, right? And he's sitting there waving. This time, he's clothed. Before that, he was unclothed. Now he's clothed, he's in the right mind, and he's, he's waving goodbye this once demon-possessed man is now filled with purpose and hope, right? And he has a new, a new commission. He's supposed to go and tell everybody in the next towns, ten of them to be specific, all about what Jesus had done for him in his life. Then we come to this part of the story that I want to focus on a little bit, because he leaves the Gadarenes, everybody wants him to leave, and he comes across the sea, and he comes to a group of people that are so excited, so excited to see Jesus, that when he gets off the boat, (laughs) I do need a hype man, this is so awesome, (laughs) and when he gets off the boat, he, people are rushing with all the sick, they'd heard all the stories about Jesus, and they're rushing to see Jesus, and And one specific person comes and he throws himself at the ground in front of Jesus and he pleads. You'll find that story there in Mark chapter 5, verse 21. It says, when Jesus had crossed again in the boat, I'm not going to read all of this passage, but I'm going to point out some really specific things here about faith. And a great crowd gathered around him and and he was beside the sea. And then came one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus, by name, and seeing him, he fell at his feet and implored him earnestly, saying, my little daughter is at the point of death. Come, lay your hands on her so that she may be made well and live. Now, I want to just pause for a moment, and I want us to pray and ask God to just speak to our hearts. Father, I know I'm excited to be around uh, believers and to share your word. I've got months of pent-up preaching, and, and Lord, I just pray that you'd help us to listen and be ready to obey. But Lord, would you build up our faith today? In Jesus' name, amen. And so the first thing I want you to see is this, that faith grows out of need. It grew out of a need. 
here was the ruler of the synagogue. You know, usually the Jewish leaders are kind of anti-Jesus, right? But here all of a sudden, here's a, a Jewish ruler, and he comes and he kneels before Jesus, and he pleads with him. And I want you to notice this. In the hour of his most extreme need, who does he come to? Jesus. In his, in his, his deepest need, he comes to Jesus. When usually they're ready to get him out of town, when you're in great need, faith grows out of this need. And so Jesus immediately just starts following him home, right? That's kind of what happens here. And, and on the way, there's another person that interrupts our story of healing his daughter. There's kind of two stories woven together here. And in the great crowd, in verse 25, it says, There was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years and who had suffered much under many physicians and had spent all she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. And she heard the reports about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. Now, I want to stop for a moment and just kind of point out what's happening here. Here is another person in great need. Do you notice her need? She had a female problem, a bleeding problem, and no one ever was able to fix it. The only thing the doctors could do was fix her bank account and take everything she had. And all that kept happening over these 12 years was everything she really cared about was gone. This disease, as the ESV calls it, some other translations call it a plague or an affliction. And anyone who's ever had a chronic disease or a chronic health problem knows exactly why it would be called an affliction. And notice that this health issue drove her life in so many different ways. And I just want to point out a few things that would have happened to her. She would have been driven away from her strength and her health. Every day she grew weaker and weaker because she was bleeding. She was anemic. Every day, family and friends would have been pushed away from her and her life of a husband. But if she had one, I promise you, in those days, she wouldn't have had any more. Because she wasn't allowed to touch anyone or be touched by anyone. She was drove away from her friends. In that day and in the Jewish society, there were three things that would make you unclean. One was touching a dead person. The other was a menstrual bleeding, and the third would have been leprosy. And so every day, no one had anything to do with her. And then finally, she would have been driven away from the people who worshipped God. Can you imagine? We've been isolated from each other for just a few days, a few really short months. And I miss this, don't you? I miss being with brothers and sisters in Christ. But she spent 12 years out of fellowship with God's people. She was humanly incurable, suffering under physicians for 12 long years and still had this problem. There was no 
hope in her life. And I guess she had probably decided, just like many who have chronic disease and illness, that there was nothing left living for. Here was a poor woman who was broke, cut off from family, society, friends, and God's people. And her health was declining, and I can only imagine that every day she became more and more angry and unhappy and bitter with her life. Can you imagine? Can you imagine that every morning she probably woke up and even became angry and and unhappy with God. He had left her in that situation and the circumstances that her life was now in. She had done everything she could and nothing had changed. Could you blame her? But faith grows out of your greatest need, folks. There's a second thing that happens here in verse 27. Faith is a call to respond. And you'll notice here that she heard about Jesus. Did you notice that? She heard about Jesus. Verse 27 and 28 says she had heard the reports about Jesus and came up behind him. I'm going to read verse 28. I didn't do that earlier. It says, For she said, If I just touch even his garment, I will be made well. Wow. So here is a lady that hears the stories about Jesus and believes Jesus is different from all the other people who had taken all of her money. Think about that. She believed that Jesus now was giving her hope. A hope she hadn't had for 12 years. Here was a woman who came looking for Jesus. And I I think sometimes when we're beat down like this, there's things that we can make excuses, right? We can make excuses. We can have some barriers to ever coming to the truth. And I want you to notice, it would have been really difficult for her because her her health was bad. Her, Her strength was gone. She could have said, I don't want to get up this morning. She could have looked at her situation and and felt the despair, the hopelessness that she had, the depression, and said, I'm going to stay in bed today. She could have uh, just thought about the social stigma. Can you imagine this? The social stigma of being in a crowd and being unclean and knowing that people would see her and maybe even bump into her And then there's this religious stigma because if she were to touch Jesus, think about this. If she were to touch Jesus, she would make the teacher unclean. And so she could have stayed in bed that day, but hope came and faith in her life called for this response. The Bible says faith comes by hearing. And you and I must respond when it comes to faith. We have to get up and do something, right? You know, she came up from behind and immediately the flow of blood was gone. That's what we read here. And, and this woman probably felt like she was not worthy to ever be even close to Jesus. And in a religious sense, because she's unclean, she really didn't. You and I don't have the right to come to God 
except through what He has done on the cross and His love for us. We don't deserve it. We're unworthy of it. But because He loves us and has provided that hope for us this morning, you and I can come to Jesus. Now, she came and pressed forward and touched Him. Faith calls for a response today. There's a third thing. Faith cannot stay anonymous. If you were to look at this passage, as soon as the power goes out of Jesus, you notice what he does? He says, who touched me? Who touched me? Do you think Jesus didn't know who touched him? I don't. I think Jesus knew exactly what was happening. So why in the world was Jesus bringing so much attention to this poor woman. All she wanted to do was touch Jesus and get out of there. But Jesus says, who touched me? Can you imagine the disciples? They're like, look at their response. This is so cool. (laughs) It says here, perceiving that the power had gone out of him, immediately he turned about to the crowd and said, who touched my garments? And his disciples said to him, You see the crowd pressing around you, and yet you say, who touched me? I can just see Peter's eyes rolling. (sighs) There's a hundred, the best question Jesus would be, who didn't touch you? And yet you're wondering, who touched, why are you wasting time? Can you imagine, here's Jairus, Jairus is just wanting Jesus to get to his house. And he goes, why the interruption, Jesus? Time is a wasting. I, I kind of think about Jairus' situation at this moment, and I think, you know, how many times have you and I ever been disappointed with God's timing in our life? And Jairus is sitting there going, come on, Jesus, the clock's ticking, my daughter's sick, and now you're wondering who touched you? And you and I often do the same thing to Jesus. We need to learn. Just This is kind of like, like an extra lesson here for us. We need to learn that faith means trusting God's care for us. And it means accepting God's timing for us as well. And so in verse 33, the woman finally comes trembling to Jesus because she knows. I, w- I would have guessed Jesus kind of looks right at her and says, Okay. And so she finally comes up, tear trembling, it says in verse 33, trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. She came forth trembling, and she received more from Jesus than she expected, but a lot less than what Jesus really wanted to give her. And I want you to catch this. Why did Jesus ask her to come and make a public confession? Jesus called her forth because he knew that her faith and her testimony would touch others like us this morning. Faith is not intended to be a private thing, no matter how much people try to convince us of that. How many times have you heard someone say, well, my faith is just a private thing? It's personal. It's very personal. Personal. Yes, it is personal, but it's never meant to be private. You see, the Bible tells us that we must confess our faith. In Matthew chapter 10, verse 32, it says, Whoever shall confess me before men, I will confess them also in front of my Father in heaven. Paul said in Romans 10:10, 10, 10, he says, For with the heart 
we believe unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Faith cannot be anonymous. And I want to point out a fourth thing here in verse 34. You see, faith demonstrated is a faith that's rewarded. Look at verse 34. It's an amazing little, little extra in the Scripture. Because in verse 34, it says, He said to her, Daughter. Can you just hear that? He says, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go into peace and be healed of your disease. Did you know this is the only place in Scripture where Jesus calls anyone daughter. What a precious statement he makes to her. And then he says, go in peace. Literally, he's saying, go in to peace. You've been healed. In Romans 5.1, it says, therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through Jesus Christ. Jesus brings peace Faith made public is a faith that's always rewarded. Even if you don't understand what it means at the moment you make the confession. I'm going to go to the fifth point real quickly here. Because faith holds on when the situation seems hopeless, folks. In verses 34 through 43... We see the rest of the story because that's the way we began, right? It began with Jairus coming and begging, please come. And now Jesus gets interrupted by this woman who's bleeding. And Jairus gets word, just as he's probably saying, go in peace. Here comes somebody from the house and says, don't worry anymore, she's dead. Verse 35. Your daughter is now dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? Healing the woman may have cost the very life of this child. And I can only imagine the kind of pain that Jairus felt, the disappointment. Maybe he was now angry with God. Why couldn't you have just hurried up, Jesus? You wasted time on the way. Have you ever been mad at God? But Jesus quickly changes everything. Look at verse 36. But Jesus, overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, Do not fear. Only believe. I love those words. Don't be afraid. Just believe. Just believe. Afraid? The Bible says, believe. Believe. And then verse 37, Jesus calls... Three of the disciples, right? Who are they? Peter, James, and John. And he calls them and the two parents. Do you ever think maybe Jesus is showing favoritism? Why didn't he invite just everybody in? Instead, all the mourners he kicks out. If you read this whole story, he kicks out all the mourners and he, and he clears the way and he just lets in those three and the mom and dad. Why do you think he did that? Well, I don't know specifically, but I kind of think maybe Jesus wanted the people who would really respond to this healing and understand it and grasp it. And so that really kind of makes me start thinking, would Jesus have invited me? Would he have invited you? 
and to see what was just a miracle. And Jesus turns his attention now to, to the little girl, and he took her by the hand and he called to her. He basically said, little girl, arise. And you know what she did? She got up. I, th- I think this is amazing. You see, as long, I don't know if you've ever thought about this, as long as someone's alive, we feel like there's hope. But once they're dead, there's no hope, right? But Jesus kind of just flips everything upside down. Because you see, Jesus wants you and I to catch that too. I, I love what happens here. This is such a monumental moment. Because Mark doesn't translate the words that Jesus says. He keeps them in the original Aramaic. Talitha kumi. I think Mark was so impressed that he said, I I don't need to translate this. This is an amazing moment. A tender moment. Those are the kind of words, literally, it might kind of, kind of means little lamb get up. It might have been the same words that that mother would have done early in the morning when she was waking up her daughter, saying, little lamb, get up for breakfast. Get up for chores. And Jesus just, tend, see how tender Jesus is in this passage? Calls that one lady daughter and calls this little girl his little lamb. And the critics could have said, well, you know, she was just sleepy. She was just in a coma, and Jesus just walked in. When, But I'm going to tell you, professional mourners in those days knew when someone was dead. There was no breathing, and this was a miracle. And that little girl got up. Was it for the parents' sake? Maybe. Did he do it so that we should expect Jesus to heal people miraculously like that today, every time? In verse 43, Jesus admonishes the parents, tell no one what happened. Can you imagine the surprise on all the mourners' face when the little girl comes out and says, what's for breakfast? And they go, what happened? What happened? And they look at him and they go, Jesus told us very emphatically not to tell you anything. (laughs) Can you imagine? Here's what I want us to catch. You see, faith holds on when things are hopeless. And you and I may be sitting there today going, well, that's all fine and good. I love hearing stories of how Jesus heals a a woman and, and raises a little girl from the dead. Those are great stories. But you know what? God does not work like that today. Right? I've prayed and my family member died. I'm sick today. I don't feel well. I'm wearing a mask everywhere I go. And God just doesn't do this kind of thing in my life or anyone else's life anymore. Well, I think Jesus did this for a reason, to give you and I a new view on sickness and health today. Let me remind you what Jesus said to Jairus, the ruler of the synagogue. Do you remember what he said? Do not fear, only believe. Only believe. (laughs) There's a new movie out that just really touched my heart. It's it's the Jeremy Camp story. Have you guys seen that, any of you? You should, it's fun. It's really an exciting story. It's called... I Still Believe, and it's on video somewhere. 
And uh, it's a very moving story. You guys know who Jeremy Kemp is. He's that internationally known recording artist, sings all these beautiful songs of faith. Well, this is a story, a real-life story of Jeremy Kemp's faith and love. Jeremy's dear friend and love of his life was diagnosed with stage 3C cancer of the liver that had spread to her ovaries and was going to leave her infertile. But right before they were going to have this life-saving surgery and remove the cancer, the doctors came in to them and said, ah, there's no cancer. We don't know where it is. We have no reason to do surgery. And all this hope was brought to all of their lives, and, and Jeremy instantly got on his knee proposed. They got married and they went on this beautiful honeymoon. But while they were on the honeymoon, her stomach began to hurt. She had great pain and the cancer had returned. This time it was terminal and she grows weaker and weaker and Jeremy begins to question his own faith and he gets angry with God as he watches his wife live out this bold, dynamic faith in front of him, he just gets more and more angry. But while he's watching his wife, he writes this song called Walk by Faith as he watches his wife walk by faith. His wife, though, dies, and Jeremy is angry now. So angry that he quits his music career as a Christian music artist. And, he, and in the movie, I don't know if this is exactly the way it happened in real life, but in the movie he, he, that his wife had written, she said, I knew eventually you would find this. And in the letter, she encouraged her husband and she tells him that suffering does not damage faith, but strengthens it. And he expressed his faith restored in the song, I Still Believe. The Christian can stand by the bedside of a loved one who is sick, and they can pray for healing. We can. We should. And then believe that God can heal them. And if that loved one dies, still believe that our God can and did heal them totally by bringing them into the eternal presence of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Because I'm going to tell you right now, this life is not all there is. If not, 2020 has really been a bad year that's ruined everything, right? But this isn't all there is. We have so much more to look forward to. And he is calling out to us. Because I really believe Jesus is still looking for hurting people, broken-hearted people, damaged people, frustrated, hopeless people. People who cover up their fear and their hurts. People who are hurt so many times that they can't trust anybody. He's still looking for you. And he is looking for people like that, like you this morning. And he is still reaching out to people like you and me. And I believe he is calling us with the same words, only believe. So, what can we do? I want to ask you, 
What need in your life right now is calling out to Jesus? Where is God calling you right now to take a brand new step of faith? Where is God calling you to take that step today? And to whom is God calling you to share your story with? Who's your one? If you're in a hopeless situation this morning, you know what? (laughs) The Bible tells us only believe. And Jesus is still calling to us, only believe. And our response must always come, I believe God can handle it. How about you? Let's pray. Dear precious Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for your word this morning, uh, a word of of great faith that encourages us to live boldly and trusting you with every area of our life. I still believe that you can do anything and that you are calling us to take a step of faith today to just believe. You are calling us to share our story with one person this week of how you've healed us and brought us hope. And Father, if there's someone here today who's just hopeless, maybe they're at home this morning and they're hopeless, Lord, I pray that your word has encouraged them to only believe in Jesus. In his name we pray, amen.